Welcome to 412 Canada. Thanks for joining us. My name is Kim Hutchins. At 412, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. 412 is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Ontario. We are so excited to be able to continue to equip you as we expand with our podcast and YouTube. Today, we're going to continue with Dave's story. This is one that ends on a positive note. Dave Lane has been a youth pastor for 30 years and family pastor for six. Currently, he's the satellite director for Youth Unlimited YFC Sarnia Lambton. Last time, Dave shared about his burnout and what got him there. Well, today we have hope as Dave is going to share about what got him out of burnout. Welcome, Dave. Hey, Kim, it's good to see you again. Yeah. Good to be here. I'm so glad that we can finish your story. Yeah, you don't want to leave right? it on the no. note we left it last. I was <laughs> no, like, I know. crickets, and it's like, okay, well, so what happened? Yeah, and I'm just so thankful that you're willing to share that and to go yeah. there with people so they can really get um, an idea of what happened. And I know today we're going to mention this book, yeah. Running on Empty by Phil Anderson, yeah. right? Um, and we will link to that in our notes. But Yeah, because when I was in the burnout, uh, besides the Bible, that is the only book I read. That was offered to me by my executive pastor. And it was just an amazing, amazing book because when I started, I'm not a real reader. Like mm -hmm. I read for yeah, knowledge, we've talked not about. for enjoyment, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember picking the book up and beginning to read it and I couldn't put it down because reading even the first chapter, I was in tears because everything that he was experiencing mm. is what I was experiencing because he actually, actually committed himself to the hospital. Oh, wow. It got so bad. Okay. And so because I could relate to his story, you know, I was all ready when he gave the prescription of what you need to do to get out because I could identify with him. Mm -hmm. And so I was ready to say, okay. And he shared he shared a few things you need to do, and four things. I was going to say, I there's really, four I things, I really right? grabbed a hold of and ran yeah. with, yeah. Okay, and so tell us about these four things. Yeah, the first thing that I embraced was solitude. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the thing, Kim, is we don't like solitude. Mm. This whole idea of showing up and shutting up. That's what we talked about in the book. I was like, okay. Very blunt. Like if we sat here for 10 minutes in silence, yeah. it would be very awkward and very uncomfortable for those who are watching us, right? Yeah. Because we don't like solitude. And But the thing that, we, uh, that he talked about was that God embraces it, mm. right? Be still and know that I am God. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Jesus' life, he spent a lot of time in solitude connecting with the Father, and that's why he was able to do what he did. Mm -hmm. And so within the book, what he says is this. He says, solitude is of God. Okay. Busyness is of the world. And then he asked the question I did not like, because I didn't <laughs> like the answer. He says, if this is true, how would you describe your life? Ooh. And Kim, I had to say, well, my life is busy, because mm -hmm. busyness is what got me there. Right. And so for me, even to say that, what I was saying was this. Even though I've been a pastor for 30 years, I was being more influenced by the world than I was by God. Mm. And because of that, my busyness actually kept me distracted from what God wanted me to do. Okay. Right? And so I was like, okay, I, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it. And so like I said to you before, you know, I would run down to the, the, the bench under the willow tree by the water, yeah. and I would basically sit there for hours, and I would just listen to God. And the thing is, is the reason why solitude scared me was because I thought I had to come with an agenda. Mm. 
And what I learned real quick, it wasn't about my agenda. It was about just God speaking to me. And Kim, I'm telling you, in those moments where I was truly listening to God, like I said to you before, God was very gentle with me, but he impressed things on me that I would, have, I would have missed out on if I wasn't willing to be quiet. Like the one thing that really hit me at the very beginning was he said this to me. He said, not audibly, but he, he presses <laughs> yeah. upon me. He says, Dave, you've been working for me for 30 years. Yeah. Now you're going to walk with me. Ooh. And the passage he gave me, brought to my, I memorized it a long time yeah. ago, was Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path, right? And I remember I went to Israel in 2016, mm -hmm. and uh, when they were talking about this passage, the guy actually pulled out an, an oil lamp. He said, this is the kind of lamp that he was talking about, the psalmist. It wasn't one of those, you know, Coleman halogen lamps where you can see a mile down the road. It was just enough light to show you your next few steps so you wouldn't walk off the path, hmm. but not enough light to show you what was going on down the path. So you had to trust this lamp to guide your way. And so what God was telling me, Dave, this is going to be totally different because you are going to trust me as you go. Hmm. And, you know, for me, Kim, it was so freeing because it wasn't about my, it was about my obedience and God was going to lead and it, the thing was, too, is it kind of showed me, so for so many years, I wasn't really following God's leading. Hmm. I was doing what God wanted me to do, but like I said last time, I was almost coming back and getting into just kind of give the check mark check for the what box, I wanted right? to do, right? Uh, so, I did that part. <laughs> yeah, so the solitude was huge. It was really uncomfortable, Yeah. but as I got into it, I actually longed for it. Wow. Like I would just sit, listen to music, worship music, and just, and just God just impressed things upon me like he had never impressed. God became a lot more real for me. Yeah. And what were the other things? Yeah, the, the other one was this whole idea of prayer. And okay. the book talks about it. It talks about learning to pray with your, with your heart and not your head. Okay. Because for me, prayer was always a chore. Because I, I felt like I had to have this conversation with God. But what he talked about is prayer is more as a, of a refuge. In fact, uh, this is interesting. It says this, the biblical words, pray always, are actually translated, come to rest. Hmm. And so it's about resting in God. It's about allowing God to guide you. You see, prayer always exhausted me mm -hmm. because the thing was, I saw it as an intellectual exercise. And like, the thing is, I felt it was this one-way conversation. So when it talked about praying with your head and not your heart, I, that kind of confused me. Right. So I remember I was saying, okay, God, give me a, because you know me, I'm, <laughs> you I'm object. I'm yeah, object, you need right? something. And it was funny because I was sitting down in the water one time, I said, God, I, I, I don't get this. Like, what does it look like? Right. And he gave me this image of two balls, <laughs> a bouncy ball and a medicine ball. Okay. So what and does that? Okay, and I'll explain it to you. It's yeah. really weird. But the bouncy ball is like praying with your head. Like if I had a bouncy <clears> ball and I threw it in this room, mm -hmm. it would go all over the place. Yeah. And if you tried to follow it, it'd be very confusing. And I think sometimes when we pray with our head, we just go from one request to the other. In fact, we can even pray for it mm -hmm. and not even, not even register. No, you forget, right? That you just, just said yeah, that. We're we just, just use words that we've always used. Right. right? Now, the, the praying with our, our heart is more like a medicine ball. Mm. Like if I had a 25-pound medicine ball and I threw it at you, <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm glad I didn't break yeah, one didn't today. Yeah, because we don't want to be the, But you would actually feel it. Right. You'd actually feel the weight of it. It would rest on you. Yeah. And so praying with your heart is actually allowing it not just to be intellectual, 
but to be emotional. So for example, let's say that you lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to pray for you, Kim, I would stop for a moment and try to put myself in your situation. What would it be like if I lost someone? Right. And so when I begin to pray, it's going to change the way I pray because it's actually moving me. Mm -hmm. I'm actually actually feeling it. And so praying with our heads is, like I said, more intellectual, which we like because it means we keep control. Mm -hmm. Where praying with our heart is more emotional and vulnerable, and it means giving up our control. That's so good. So it's about engaging our hearts because we want a prayer to cause us to run to God, Mm. not from God. And we want the things that move God's heart to move our heart. And so when it comes to prayer, we've got to engage. Now, we're always engaging our head. I get that. Yeah. But we can't just keep it an intellectual. We've got to, we've got to go that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what else? There was... And then it would be scripture would be okay. the, another big thing. Uh-huh. And here's the thing, too. I'm a Bible college student, right? Yeah. And so it's this whole idea of allowing God's word not just to inform you, but to transform you. Okay. And so understanding this comes down to the whole idea of how, it comes down to two questions we talked about, how we see the Bible and how we approach the Bible. Okay. See, being a Bible college student, I always saw the Bible as a textbook, mm-hmm. right? Now, Kim, I don't know about you, maybe you were like a great <laughs> student, but when I was in high school, I, if love I, school. Yeah, I know, you're probably like, oh, I read every word. But here's the thing, is for me, when I read a textbook, I skimmed it. Like, I'd read the first sentence and the last sentence of every, and get the idea and get the gist. Right. Okay? It's a textbook. But the Word of God is not a textbook. No. The Word of God is a love letter. It's God's love letter to us. And I remember when my wife would write me love letters. Mm. Kim, I read every word. I reread words. I memorized parts of it. I treasured it because it was my wife's, it was my wife expressing her love to me. Mm-hmm. And so it transformed me. It just didn't inform me. It transformed me because I was like, oh, man. And see, that is what the Word of God does. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So yeah. it, it, it's not like a normal textbook. It actually not only informs us, but it actually transforms us. See, we read That's a lot of books key. for information, which is good, but the Bible goes beyond that. Yeah, right? that information transformation. Yeah. That's amazing, Because think about right? it for a moment. When you read the Bible... The thing is, is we, really, we learn crucial things, but it transforms because it changes the way we think, the way we behave, the way we see God, right? Yeah. But again, information is easy. Why? Because it's all about control. Transformation is allowing God to do something. In this book, it talked about, and it kind of hit me, it said this. It said that being informed means we read the Bible. Mm. Being transformed means the Bible reads us. Oh my goodness. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> because that, you know, you know yeah. Romans, Romans 12 too, right? Do not be conformed to the word, but be yeah. transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's allowing the word of God to speak to us in a way and convict us, right? Yeah. Like I said, dividing and judging our thoughts and our, and our attitudes, right? So yeah. allowing it, and it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I right? can imagine, right? But, it, yeah. but it's the whole idea of allowing it to transform us. Right. And right. was that the fourth the fourth the... one was, was spiritual oh, yes. directors. Okay. Yeah. And so that was one of my questions for you is that who really helped you through this time? Yeah. In the right? book, it said, you know, you need, because I was so weak and I was so vulnerable, I needed people to walk me through stuff. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be my family because they were living it with me, right? Right. 
And so I needed people to come alongside of me just to remind me of truth. Like yeah. the Holy Spirit was doing it through his word, but there was times where it's okay, this is what, and then calling me mm -hmm. on, on, on wrong thoughts and patterns that I was having, right? Mm -hmm. And so the two major ones would probably be, I have a mentor who met with me once a week. Okay. And he kind of directed me, excuse me, spiritually, mm -hmm. where he kind of said, okay, this is, this is some of the things you need to understand from the word of God. I would get into it. He would hold me accountable. He would ask me how I was doing. I could just vent. I could just, I could cry with him, mm -hmm. right? And then I actually, the other one was, was my counselor. Okay. And the great thing was, she's a, she's a biblical counselor, but she also got into the, the psycho, the psycho part of me. Yeah. I'm not psycho, but you <laughs> no, know what but I mean. I that, know. <laughs> that I never really got into before, and yeah. identifying things and and just living balanced in wisdom, as opposed to not being involved with my feelings. But balancing that she she did this one thing that I thought was really great two circles mm -hmm. and she said this this is feelings yeah and this is reality and where they meet is wisdom and that's where you want to live she said but what we can do is we can live too far over in our feelings mm -hmm. we can live too far over in reality what we've got to do is bring them together our feelings are okay but we got to balance it with reality and just so basic things like that yeah like and there's just little things that but it was I couldn't have done it without that direction mm -hmm. because I, I, I couldn't do it on my own because no. there were things that I didn't see that I needed to address and it was yeah. very uncomfortable <laughs> there was many times where I would go I don't like that yeah but it was like it's not a matter of I don't like it or not it's a matter of what was good for me right and I trusted these two people and like I said they were they were both Christians they were both godly people and so I knew they were leading me down a path that God wanted me to go down mm-hmm and so for someone who is joining us and they're struggling, yeah. what would you recommend they, their first step should be to do? Well, I think the first step is to, is to actually embrace it. Mm. To be okay to say, yeah, I'm in burnout. That's a hard step. Like, it's, it's like right there, that's like, hard. You know, because AA, the first yeah. step is admit, right? Yeah. And I think for me to admit that I was struggling with burnout was really tough for me to do. Yeah. And then to talk about it, and then here's another thing too, and again, it's my pride, but the counseling. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I needed it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, everybody needs counseling. Huh. And I think if I had gone to counseling earlier, she would probably identify these things that may not have taken me down that road to that degree, Okay. right? Yeah. So I think, and then be able to talk about it with people. People don't understand. It's true, we don't, they right? Don't. Yeah. Like someone said to me, it was great. So you're just taking some vacation? I'm like, if this is vacation, <laughs> I never want to go on a vacation again. Like, I will, like, this, this is not this is a vacation. Not vacation. You no, didn't go this on a holiday. Not, I didn't go on a holiday. <laughs> it was not a trip to Disney World, right? Uh, it just wasn't. So, but just to be understand, talk to people that understand. And then if you, if you do go through it, to be able to talk about it. Right. Because I think that's really powerful for me now. And I've, like, I've never shared it publicly like this before, but I've talked mm -hmm. to a lot of people. And it's funny, when I share my story, they'll go, yeah, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I can see things. Because here's yeah. the thing I'll tell you, Kim. If you took those four things I shared with you and you were, you were feeling inclinations of that, like burnout, and you began to do it, you may even avoid the burnout. Right. Because not right. only does this get you out, this, prevent, this is preventative as well. Mm -hmm. so. And what do you think the biggest thing you've taken away from that is? The biggest thing I've taken away is I think that I've actually embraced it. Yeah. 
Because people always say to me, oh, I'm so sorry you went into burnout. And I, as, as tough as it was, I'm kind of glad I did. Mm -hmm. Because it was in those moments, like before, like being a pastor, I've preached on brokenness. I've always talked about it. But I've never experienced it. Now I know what it's like. God took me right down, yeah. but he built me back up. It's, it's like a house, right? If the foundation is terrible, you can take the house down, but if you build back on that foundation, the house is just as bad. Right. You need to dig the foundation up, and that takes work, and that can be a very painful thing. Oh. But doing the work is worth it. And so for me, I, I've learned so much, and I'm a different person. And... We've talked about this, but I'd love for you to share what is like a passage or scripture I know that kind of helped you through this time yeah. and encouraged you. Psalm twenty three, like I said, was huge. Yes. I memorized yeah. that. But I know that but I, I, I can't really <laughs> I can't really um pinpoint a specific one because in those times of solitude, wherever I was at, mm -hmm. God would bring like I was struggling with certain things and it was amazing how God would actually bring a character in the Bible or a passage in the Bible. And what I learned to do is just go and check it out. Yeah. Like there was one time God brought Jonah to my mind. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's he was just, was he was just thinking, Dave, you're doing the Jonah thing. Because <laughs> I called you to do this two years ago and you're running. And I'm like, oh, okay. And there was just so many parallels, yeah. right? So I would just read the scripture. And then there were times where I'd read the scripture and I just begin to weep because I'm like, okay, this is not a coincidence. This is God working. Because his, 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 his word is living and active, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, how could somebody use this to help others around them, right? Like, I know it's hard, right? And you yeah. are now using this to help others. So how could somebody else who's watching or joining us or listening, how could they use that to help somebody around them? Well, if, if they're going through it, mm -hmm. I would say share your story. Yeah. Share your feelings because your feelings are valid. But I would say also if you're not going through it, just listen to somebody. Mm. I think listening is it's so huge, big. Right? And the thing that I, 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 mean, I would say too, Kim, is with this whole COVID, I think a lot of things have been exposed. Yeah. Because it's caused us to be alone. And if we're alone with God, He's going to reveal things. He's going to reveal things that we don't necessarily like. And so to understand that, and to, like, because it wasn't until the COVID hit that I, I felt the exhaustion. Yeah, right. It just suddenly hit you. Yeah. So talk about it. If you're going through it mm -hmm. to someone, but also listen to someone and don't prejudge them. Yeah. Like it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of, I remember my counselor saying to me, I'm so proud of you. You're being courageous. I'm like, why am I being courageous? Because I just <laughs> entered it. Yeah. I got in the middle of it. I'm like, I know now why I was okay. courageous because it was tough. Right? It was tough. But it was good to be able to go through it and have people support you. Yeah. Well, and I definitely think over this last year, the verse Philippians 2.5 has stuck out to me. You know, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So whether you are going through something like this or um, you you are with somebody who is, just to love them and yeah. to have that attitude, right? And my Jesus. wife did a great job. Like yeah. she, did, she didn't judge me. She allowed me to, to be where I was at. But she was also very glad I had to leading me through it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dave, this has been so helpful and so insightful. And it's just amazing that, God is using you in mm. so many ways and that you could share this personal story of yours thanks, um, with everyone who's I'm watching. I'm glad I could. Thanks for allowing me to do it. Yeah, thanks. So for those that are joining us, I hope that you're encouraged by Dave's story. You know, there is hope. And if you're struggling, I encourage you to reach out and contact us or Dave directly. Both are available on our show notes. So if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. 
And for those watching the video edition, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you don't miss an episode. Also, hop onto the discussion by following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at 412Canada. Looking forward to next time. Thanks for joining us. Keep laughs. Cut. Yeah. <laughs>